You're listening to The Influencer Podcast, episode number eight. In last week's episode, we got enlightened on gaining clarity, mindfulness, and intention in our influence with business coach and founder of Society Gal, Jennifer Jaden. This week's episode shares the secrets behind growing a YouTube following, how to build long-term relationships with brands, and how to build the right audience with blogger, YouTuber, and founder of Hello Gorgeous, Angela Lanter. Welcome to the Influencer Podcast. Each week, Julie Solomon, a marketing strategist and New York Times bestselling publicist, takes you behind the scenes with successful influencers, bloggers, and industry elites in conversation to share how they engage, persuade, and grow their unique influence. Her mission is to share exclusive insider tips, wisdom, and action-based tools to help you strengthen, monetize, and build your own industry-leading influence. Hi, Influencers, and welcome to today's episode. I am so thrilled to introduce you to one of my best friends, the relatable, successful, and gorgeous Angela Lanter. Angela is one of the most sought-after lifestyle bloggers and YouTubers in the country. She is the founder of Hello Gorgeous and runs the highly popular YouTube channel of the same name that offers tips and how-tos on all things beauty, fashion, and lifestyle. She has been named one of Pop Sugar's bloggers of the year and has worked with major brands including Revlon, Nordstrom, Laneige, Dove, Pantene, L'Oreal, Sephora, and Macy's, just to name a few. Angela was born and raised in Northeast Ohio, and at the age of 15, she took her first job as a hairstylist and makeup artist, working at a small salon, giving makeovers for glamour photos. While in college, she continued to pursue her love of beauty by freelancing for proms, weddings, and other special events. And in 2011, Angela relocated to Los Angeles to be with her now husband, actor and star of NBC show Timeless, Matt Lanter. Never forgetting her passion, Angela launched Hello Gorgeous in 2013, and the rest is history. What makes Angela truly shine among the saturation is her willingness to be open and vulnerable in the influencer space. Her newsletter series, Girl Talk Tuesday, sets out to help other women feel more comfortable with who they are and helps them feel more gorgeous in their own skin. She is creative, talented, and most importantly, one of the best friends a woman could ask for. So you guys are in such a treat today for getting able to chat with the lovely Angela. So hi, Angela. Thank you so much for coming on. Hi, thank you for having me. You just made me sound way better than I am, I feel like. Oh, no, no, no. All of it, you hold up to all of it so gorgeously, may I add. So (laughs) I just want to kind of dive in. I mean, I'm sure that there's a lot of people that are listening today that know exactly who you are. But for those who don't, I would love for you to kind of share really, you know, how you got to this place of Hello Gorgeous, how Hello Gorgeous came about. I know that I talked about it just a little bit in the intro, but really Mm -hmm. how you got from small town girl in Ohio to this amazing, massive brand in the influencer space? I mean, I guess a lot of that has to do with my husband. Um, actually, so, um, if I go back, like, I don't know, eight years ago, I met my husband. Um, his name is Matt, like you said in the intro. And, um, we dated long distance for about two and a half years. He was in LA. I was in Ohio. And then, um, I decided to move out to LA. I was actually a fraud investigator for an insurance company. Um, so totally different than what I do now. I know, but I really loved it. And we were getting married, planning our wedding, um, for June of 2013, in the process of planning the wedding, all of my girlfriends would come over to our house and see things that I was doing because that was when Pinterest was like on fire. Like everybody was like into Pinterest. So I was really just doing every DIY I could get my hands on. And my girlfriends came over. They're like, why are you not blogging? 
Like you love fashion, you love beauty, you love DR, like what are you doing here? And Matt was like, they're totally right. Like you should totally, you should just do this. So Hello Gorgeous was born. Matt actually came up with the name and we were like, we just decided to do this together. And if you go back to the beginning of my blog, Oh my gosh, the early posts are really embarrassing <laughs> because he was new to using a camera. I was had the only experience I'd ever had taking photos at that point was, you know, senior photos. So I've got like the classic, like back up against a tree with the arms crossed. Like I was hot stuff. So, <laughs> so, um, speed, like, but then also to flip that, the idea of launching a blog while you're also planning a wedding is really crazy. So I really didn't have the time to put into it. So that was January of 13, June, we get married. And right around that time, um, Matt actually booked a show called star cross that filmed in new Orleans, which is how I actually know Julie. Um, cause her husband was on there with Matt and we came to this crossroads of we've been, we got married in June. He had to be in new Orleans to be there, to live there full time mid July. So this was exactly one month after our wedding. And we were like, you know what? I don't, we don't want to live in two different places. This we're done. We're not going to do that. We've done the long distance thing before. And so we decided for me to quit my job and move to new Orleans together. And Matt was just like, why don't we take this blogging thing seriously and just see what happens? That's what we did. We just really, um, whenever he had a chance, we just started to really put time into it. At that point, we didn't even know that blogging could be a business. This is again, like almost five years ago. It was more of a something to keep me occupied and, and give, give me something to do during the day while he was working his 16, 18 hour days, crazy, crazy hours. After that, we launched the YouTube channel later that year. I think it was like around September and things just kind of started to take off for us. Shortly after that, I won the Pop Sugar Blogger of the Year Award. And we just decided this actually is very much a business for us. And we love doing it. It's He takes all of my photos. He shoots all of my videos. Unless he's working, then we have to figure that out. But it's just become our passion project. And it's something that we just so enjoy doing. And it's definitely something that I love doing because I always wanted to be in the beauty industry. I wanted to be, I wanted to go to cosmetology school so bad. My dad refused. I lived in Akron, Ohio. It's like, what are you going to do? You're going to work at best cuts. Like (laughs) this. And there's nothing wrong with that, by the way, if you do work at best cuts, there's nothing wrong with that. But my dad was just, I don't want that for you. I want you to have a career. So he made me go to nursing school, which I promptly ended up uh, dropping out because it was, turns out I, I can't do vomit. So that was not for me. <laughs> not for you, um, no. But yeah, that's that's really how we got from point A to point B. And just to touch on the glamour photos thing, my uh, aunt owned a salon in small town USA, Ripman, Ohio. She was doing a glamour shot-esque. It wasn't glamour shots, but it felt like that, where women would come in with the feather boas and get the, the mm-hmm. photos. You know what I'm talking about, oh, Julie? Oh, yeah hair and the, the very glamorous makeup. And, um, she tapped me to do makeup and my mom also, and we just started doing it. And I just discovered such a love for beauty and giving makeovers. So I've probably made over most every woman in my life at some point. That's amazing. So that's, that's kind of how I've gotten from point A to where I'm at now. And the blog's just kind of snowballed and it's become this true business for us that we just really love. And it's my baby, honestly. Well, what I think is really unique about you and Matt and what really makes you guys thrive as 
this influence business is not only your creativity, but you guys are, are really good at what you do. And I think a lot of that stems from the fact that you guys truly are passionate about it. As you said, you know, Matt does your photos and your videos and not only, you know, is he great at them, but he truly does love the kind of behind the scenes and the technical side of videography and photography, just like you love. Yeah. You love the behind the scenes of, you know, makeup and kind of the artistic side of that and, and how that forms together to, you know, create this new canvas, so to speak. And that's why I think that your tutorial videos on YouTube do so well. So I would love to hear from you also on how you feel since, you know, you started this whole thing around that 2011, 2012 time, you know, how has that changed not only from your own creativity, you know, not only from, you know, how Matt shoots your photos to what kind of content you create, but really how has the change of the industry impacted what you now do versus what you did three years ago? And what have you really learned from the past three years throughout your successful career of what's really worked for you and what hasn't? Well, first of all, one thing that a lot of people don't know is that uh, Hello Gorgeous was actually not my first blog. I started a blog way before that, but I just never kept up with it and I never made it public. But I always had this desire in me to share whether it was my my experiences moving across the country, but it was mostly fashion and beauty that I wanted to share. So I always had this like desire or passion in me to, to be able to have this platform. The I feel like the blogging sphere, if you will, from that I've seen of it since 2013 to now and 17 is just so different. Things have evolved and things have changed. And I've watched the market change so much because it has become so saturated because, you know, there's just so many different people out there who see successful bloggers and they think, well, I can do that too. And so that's, that's really where I see the difference is because when I got started in the early 2013, there really wasn't a huge amount of bloggers, at least that I can remember. I, I feel like I've watched the biggest piece of advice that I can give that, that I have learned over the of evolving that I have experienced over the last almost five years is that you really learn so much about yourself as you go through this process, because you have to stay true to what you are, to what your brand is, just really who you are. It's, it's so important because it's so easy to fall prey to following other bloggers on Instagram or their blogs or whatever and seeing what's working for them and saying, okay, well, I see that's working for them. What I'm doing isn't working for me. So maybe I need to try what they're doing, but that's so inauthentic. That's not who you are. Isn't to be somebody else just because that's working for them. Doesn't mean it's going to work for you. So it's just, I just have learned that it's so important to stay true to your own voice, your own tone, your own personal style, which that is so important because I see, and I'm sure you all have noticed that you will see 500 bloggers all wearing the exact same top, all from Nordstrom. There's nothing wrong with that if they truly love it, but if they're wearing it because they see that somebody who's much bigger than them is wearing it and promoting it, and then that's what they feel that they should do, then that's not staying true to their own self. So that's really my, my biggest thing that I have seen shift is that, um, just a change in that in 2013, the small handful of, of bloggers that I knew and followed were all so unique. They all had their own style, their own tastes, their own everything. But now it's just so saturated and everybody is just trying to kind of do and be the same thing, which I kind of feel like is unfortunate. So that's my biggest 
number one thing is just stay true to your own self. And do you think, because I kind of want to like dive even deeper into that, because I think that there's probably a lot of bloggers or influencers out there that may be new to this that are listening that are like, yeah, you know, I do want to blog. I do want to do this. I'm passionate about it. And I'm, and I'm trying to kind of test out a bunch of different things, but I don't even know who I really am. So how do I stay authentic to that? So can you share how the blogging process can really help people really kind of discover who they are at that authentic core and how and why testing out different things can be very important to that. Well, first of all, I'd say kind of get a, a handle on, on who you are and, and what you want your blog to be about before you, you kind of dive into it because you can't promote a brand that you don't know what it is itself. You know, like you, how you can't promote something that you aren't even sure of what it is. So that's, that's really, really important. It's, it's so easy to get caught up in, in the, in the comparison game, which is so unfortunate, but we all do it. Every single one of us do it, but it's in order to find your own style, your own taste, your own, your own niche, I guess is what I should really say is find out what it is that, that gets you out of bed in the morning. You know, what is it that like really excites you? Um, for me, if I was blogging about something that I didn't love, like, I don't know, I have to think about like working out, like I do not love to work out. And if I was a blogger that was doing posts about working out, that's not going to get me out of bed every day. That's going to get me excited to create content. That's not going to like light a fire under my butt. Basically it's finding what it is that you just truly love to do, because it's kind of like that old saying that do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. That is so, so, so true because I mean, bloggers, we're entrepreneurs, like a hundred percent. That's what we are. And you have to be able to find that passion that just like really just, you know, ignites ignites something in you that just creates a drive to get up, do what you do. And it's just something that you love. So whether that is fashion, cooking, maybe it's, you know, a a mommy blogger, whatever it is, but like find the thing that makes you excited and, and stay true to that. But don't do something that you think that you should be doing just because you think that's what you should be doing or talking about or blogging. Well, and I think that that's what's so what makes you grow and what really kind of made you take off at the you know level that you did. And, and I know that you like to try to like give Matt all the credit, but I'm going to throw the credit back onto you because I think that, <laughs> you know, that might've been, you know, you might've attracted a few of his fans over to you, but they still wouldn't be following you today if they didn't truly love what you are putting out there. So kudos to you for that. But I think that a really good point that you, that you were making is, is, you know, the passion. And I can even hear it in your voice right now that you are truly passionate about what you do. And I think that that's one thing that, and, you know, I think that you'll probably have some great insight on this as well, that a lot of, you know, students from my course or bloggers that will DM me or, or, you know, people who are trying to be influencers, you know, they're, they're like, how do I grow? But, you know, how did, how did Angela get to do that? It, it seems like it was this overnight thing, which I know that it, it never oh my is. Gosh, no. Right. Um, yeah. Overnight success that took four years, you know, or whatever it is. But I feel like a lot of times the reason why they're not growing is because that they aren't, they haven't, they're either not being authentic to who they are, or they haven't really quite found yes. what that niche was. And I can pull from my own experience of that. And I can pull from other people's experience of that, that the more that they kind of peel the layers back and really get true to who they are, 
and really start trying to engage with their audience in that kind of way, the more that they're going to grow. And I think that what really helped you and served you is that who you really are at your authentic core is someone who loves beauty. You love the application of beauty. You Mm -hmm. love putting makeup on. You're great in front of the camera. So that worked for you. Other people may test it out, but it may not work for them. I tested out doing that. As much as I love makeup and love putting makeup on for me, doing it in front of a video in that format did not work for me. Therefore, it did not come off in an authentic way. Therefore, I did not grow in that retrospect. So I think that the more that people can kind of see that, the more that it's going to help them because that's the number one question that people always ask is, how do I grow? Or how did that person grow? And and I, I can't seem to grow. So do you have any more tips that you can share with people on like, you know, you've, you've kind of found out who you are. So that's the first step. Mm -hmm. Well, then how do you make that grow? How do you get brands to pay attention to you? How do you get followers to want to hit that follow button? How do you make that magic shift happen? So let's talk about brands first. Um, when it comes to brand, first of all, if you are, and I'm going to, I'm going to talk about specifically the beauty space, but this really could, could go in any category you want to talk about, but let's talk about beauty space. So for instance, let's say, and by the way, at first, when I was on YouTube, I was horrible in front of the camera. I was so bad, but I had such a desire to do it. And I, and, and I had Matt like being my personal cheerleader that, you know, he was an actor. So he was able to kind of coach me through it, that I was able to overcome that. But when you go for, for brands, like you're not going to be able to open up your YouTube channel, do a couple of makeup tutorials, and then all of a sudden expect to get this massive brand deal unless there's something just crazy that happens. That's just, that's not how it works. Um, the way that I find or have found that, that really helps with brands is make your content, create your content with brands that you truly love and talk about it. Talk about the things that you really love. Don't talk about the things that you think are trending right now just because they're trending. Like that's not at all. For instance, I, I want to go to to talk about Laneige for a second. Lin, I am a huge fan of Korean skincare. I've always loved it I, since it kind of came on the scene, the whole ten step program. And I discovered Laneige on I believe it was Amazon, and I bought the set. And Julie, I think I even talked to you into buying it. Mm-hmm. That's how much I loved it. Oh yeah, and. I, I just bought like a little travel sun on Amazon. I was obsessed with it. And I just started talking about it very organically on my YouTube channel, on my blog. And they started to take notice of that because I would tag them. Now I'm not talking about like every single day or anything, but just super organically. I would tag the brand. I would say, Hey, just a heads up. I'm using this product. Love it. These are the reasons why the brands, the, the brand Laneige at that point somehow probably saw all of my tagging, I'm assuming. They reached out to me and they offered me an opportunity to become the first uh, US-based brand ambassador for them, which was such an amazing opportunity. But it's because I organically talked about a product that I truly, truly loved. And I did it in a way that it was part of my just everyday routine. So it was a constant thing. I mean, anybody who follows me knows I love Laneige because I talk about it all the time. So for instance, another way to go about it is if you do a video and you and you use XYZ products, shoot it, contact that, the brands, send, find an email, send an email and say, Hey, just a heads up, love your products. Use it in this video, put the link and say, just wanted to let you know, maybe they won't respond. Maybe they will respond, but that's a really great way to just get your name in front of them. That's a in regards. That's a great point. Um, and, 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 and what you were talking about with Laneige, Laneige too, is that what you're really kind of, I hear you saying here is like, 
create the conversation, like build the relationship, start the relationship because you know, there may be an influencer out there who doesn't have the following yet or doesn't have the reach yet to get that opportunity, but they may get a repost or they Mm -hmm. may get gifted a bunch of product to which then they can turn around and use to create more videos, or maybe they'll get a mention or maybe they'll get some kind of brand opportunity, but at least get your foot in the door. And I think that a lot of times people want to like, you know, it's, it's kind of like monopoly. It's like, do not pass go, do not collect $200 until you do this. And I think that everyone kind of wants to go to zero to 100 and just go straight to the brand deal because they're assuming that all of these people that they see online just overnight amass this huge following. And you know what? There are some people out there that do. There are, there are exceptions to the rules and there are lightning and bottle in a bottle cases that these people do amass this massive following. But to really build a relationship with a brand, which is going to be more of a long-term collaboration, you know, opportunities and things like that for growth, I think that you need to really start how you're saying, which is just getting your foot in the door. Don't worry about the following. Don't worry about the exactly. brand deal in the beginning. Just worry about building the relationship. It's so important to build, I I call my followers, my gorgeous girls, and I have called them that from day one. And it's, and and I know so many of them by like on a first name basis that if I saw them, I would recognize them. Like it, they, they are definitely 100% my tribe. I just have built that core audience from the very beginning. And I felt like that was so important to me because it's so easy to get reposted on a huge account, like forever 21 or something like that and pick up a bunch of followers. And a couple of days later you post something that's not their taste. So they unfollow you. That's not what you want. At least that's not what I want. I want the audience that loves me because they identify with me. They relate to me. They're there for a reason. And, um, that's exactly what I, I have tried to build from day one And I think that that's so important. And that comes with, again, being completely authentic and just creating organic content and just talking about things that you're passionate about. And I want to talk about Instagram for a little while, because I think that that's one platform, because I know that we just talked about brands. So I kind of want to talk about the following. And I know that that's one platform that you're truly engaged in and that you seem to really kind of always are, are serving that platform very, very well. Are there any tips or ideas or secrets that you have that you could share with people listening today that are, you know, if they're trying to grow their following, is there some kind of way in which you word your captions or is there some kind of formula, whether it's a strategy based on the time of day or certain hashtags that you use? Is there something that you have found that you would say pretty much consistently would work for anyone? And is there something that you have found that you're just like, don't even waste your time on this. I did it. It did not work. And I want to make sure that you don't, you know, learn from my mistakes and you don't do what I did. Um, First of all, I can say, don't compare yourself because I have done that and it does not do you any favors because you will never crack the code. Instagram, the algorithm changes daily. And it's, I mean, Julie and you and I have this conversation all the time. We will never figure it out. That's just part of it. But the one thing that I can say is that if you stay consistent, you're, you're eventually going to, to reap the benefits of that. I I think that there is a problem when people overpost and they oversaturate their audience. I think that they kind of I think that that's too much. I think that you want to create, and I also think that there's a problem when you throw up a photo just to get one up there. Like that's not serving any purpose. It's not doing any good. Don't, if if you don't have something to post that you feel like really, really good about, then don't post anything. Forget that day. 
wait until you have something that you feel that people are going to respond to. My number one tip for Instagram is engage. Engagement is so important. So when I post a photo on Instagram, I try to do it in a time where I can sit there and spend at least 30 minutes responding to my, my commenters because I want to, again, create that community, create that bond. And of course, it's almost always that handful of girls that I know and I love and I know on a first name basis because they're always the first ones to my photos, probably because they have their notifications on because, you know, I created that relationship with them. But engagement is the number one biggest tip that I can say. Um, and, and again, don't throw up a photo just to throw it up, put something up, create beautiful. There's just too many accounts out there to, to just waste your time putting up something that you're not proud of. Create, if you're going to put a photo up, make it something that you're proud of because, you know, again, there's just so many accounts out there. I think that that's such a good tip. And do you, do you have an example of that? Like, you know, an example of a way to engage, like I know that you mentioned, you know, you spend 30 minutes a day to make sure that you comment back with people. What are ways that you try and engage with new people? Do you have any examples that you can share that how, how you find new people or how you try to do that on Instagram? Um, are you a fan of pods? Yes or no. Um, are you a fan with just kind of maybe using other programs? Do you not use programs at all? How does that work for you? So, um, I am not a fan of pods and I, this is the reason why. And we may need to explain what a pod is actually. (laughs) Well, uh, it's, are they called comment pods or engagement pods? I think you can call them either. Yeah. Okay. Basically it's a group of typically influencers, bloggers that get together and they create a group on DMS. And every time somebody posts a photo, they send a DM and everybody in that group is supposed to go and comment on their photo. And it's supposed to be, you're supposed to comment within the first hour and it's supposed to be a minimum of, I believe three words. Is that correct? Do you know? I think so. The one, yeah. I think it's three words. Yeah. yeah. Because from what I've been told, and again, this stuff changes constantly, but you're supposed to have a minimum of three words in a comment on your photo within the first hour in order for Instagram to gauge the uh, engagement level on that photo in order to a be seen at your follower on your followers feeds and b make it to the discover page. So I'm not a fan of pods because ain't nobody got time for that. I don't have time to be in a group with 10, 15, 20 women who post three times a day and expected to comment on their stuff. I don't even have time personally to check my email that many times a day. Mm -hmm. So for me personally, it was, it's not something that I like for that reason, but there's also another reason. I feel like it begins to be inauthentic because it's just feels to me that it's bloggers constantly talking to other bloggers. Right. And when people post, open up, a like, let's say that, I don't know, L'Oreal clicks on your photo and they open it and they see it's all bloggers commenting back on that photo. Well, if they're smart enough to go through and filter through, they're going to say, well, wait a minute. Like, is this a comment pod situation here? Because I don't see a single person in here who's got, you know, no following or has a private account or just a normal follower. Right. So for me, I just, I don't personally believe in them. Um, in and regards to, I always wonder too, Ange, like I wonder, cause one day you're going to have to get, people are going to get tired of them. So it's like, what happens 100%. that day? Like, does, I mean, does your engagement drastically look like, I mean, what's that going to do to your engagement into your, your account when one day you had all these people and then the next day it's like you had 10 people leave the pod, then what happens? Yeah, I don't I don't really know. I don't know. I would have to imagine your your engagement will plummet. And and look, let me say this. I have a lot of friends who are bloggers and that we authentically comment on each other's stuff. 
that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about somebody like it's perfectly timed. It's within the hour. Like it's very strategic. That's what we're talking about here. Um, I just, I, I would think that your, your, uh, engagement would plummet if somebody even like, you know, 20% of the group leaves or whatever, that's going to be 20% less comments that you're going to get on your photo. So I would think that that'd really negatively affect your numbers. Yeah, I would too. That's why I'm kind of getting nervous of of those things. Um, Okay, so we know no pods. That's an example of something that you would definitely not do. Um, You know, taking 30 minutes a day to comment on on someone that's, you know, authentically engaging with you, that would be an example of a way that you would engage. What is an example of a way that you try to engage with a brand on social media? Well, first of all, uh, because you asked me another way that I engage. I, I wanted to touch on people map because first of all, you totally opened my eyes to people map. And I loved your episode that you did with Puno. It was amazing. Um, but that's such an awesome way to engage. And if you are just getting started and you're really wanting to like attack Instagram, people map is like the number one tool to do it. I would say if you could ideally set a, set aside one hour in the morning and one hour in the evening to just authentically engage with other accounts via people map and, and then track your numbers, I would have to imagine that you're going to see some amazing, uh, growth oh, on your account. For 200%. Doing that. I remember Puno saying in her, um, her, podcast interview that she did, um, on the influencer podcast that she grew one of the accounts that she has from zero to 80,000 in one year. 80, yeah. That's just, insane. yeah. Just spending like an hour a day, authentically engaging and finding people who would align with what, with the content that she was putting out there. It's a lot of work. It is I mean, a lot of it is work. a lot of work, but that to me, like, I think that that truly it's kind of like when people talk about weight loss and they're like, the secret to weight loss is this and this diet and this fast. And, th- and it's like, no, the secret to, to weight loss, it's a science. You've got to exude right. more, exert more than you put in. You've got to work uh-huh. out more and burn more calories than you're actually putting in. So I yeah. feel like it's the same thing with social media. There is no secret sauce. There is no magical platform. There may be things like pods or Instagram or what have you that could work in the interim that could be very short-term spurts of growth. Of course, you can buy followers, even though I think that you should absolutely not. Right. But what I think the secret is, is literally putting more out there than you expect to get in. Literally authentically engaging exactly. with people. Exactly. 30 minutes a day, an hour a day, use that time, you know, make it part of your daily job. I mean, if this is your job, then make that part of your daily job. Eventually, mm-hmm. maybe when you grow and you have more of a marketing budget, maybe you can hire on a, an assistant that can kind of do it for you. I think that you would need to train that person on exactly how to do right. it. Um, but I think, I think that's the secret <laughs> is that there is I, no secret. I 100% believe that. Yeah, there is no secret. And for anybody who says like, you know, that there is, here's the magic secret. Click this because this, I'm going to teach you how to grow your Instagram following in one week, five, whatever it is. Like there is no secret. It's work. It's hard work. And it's a lot of time. And I think that that's just, it's, and also I think that it, other accounts can be so deceiving because you, you can sit there and you can compare yourself to an account that you, and just like, just totally feel so down on yourself that one of your peers just grew 20,000 followers over the last month. And you don't know how, but the fact of the matter is you don't know if they bought other followers, Mm -hmm. you don't know what is going on. So don't, don't play that game where you sit there and you look at what other people are doing and, and beat yourself up. If, If instead of, you know, taking that time to look at what other people are doing, take that time to just engage your own, your own account, you know, and 
the biggest thing, and I think Puno said this too, but I have found this to be so true, is to take time to write real comments to people. That is so important. Like true comments, not like three emojis with hard eyes because <laughs> those are a dime a dozen and they can look like they're coming from the, uh, the, whatchamacallit, it's like Instagram, like yeah. those kinds of accounts. I, what I find is when I go to an account and it's something, it's a photo that I truly love or it's, like I'm really into home decor right now. That's like my total jam because I'm decorating my house. So I go to a home decor account and I ask questions about where did you get this? Oh my gosh, I love that. I, I have to find it. And when I ask those questions and I create a conversation, it feels like about, I don't know, maybe eight, nine times out of 10, they come back and they follow me whether or not I'm following them. Because a lot of times I'll, I'll target a smaller account than myself. I'll target somebody who is doing something that I truly do love. And I truly do have a conversation about, and then they come over to my account, they see something that they like, and then they press the follow button. That's how I see that happen a lot of times. Yep. Yeah. I think that that's a great, a great example and a great takeaway. And I want to, um, talk about uh, really quick on Instagram before we shift gears over to YouTube, because I know that you're such a great person to talk to about YouTube and a lot of people are interested in that. How, um, how do you kind of connect with brands? And I know that you kind of mentioned a little bit, whether it's hashtag or tagging them. Are there other tips or examples that you have, not only when you're trying to engage with followers, but if there's a brand out there that you love, how do you kind of start that conversation with them on the social media platform? Uh, well, first of all, I'd like to say that YouTube is the hardest platform of them all to grow on. So don't get discouraged. Just keep trucking, like keep on keeping on because it is hard. But when it comes to brands, I am so, so blessed because I have an amazing agent, Dustin Parker, who you had on your, on your podcast too. He's great. Yes. Um, but we work together very, very closely. When it comes to a brand that I love, I just straight up reach out to them. Sometimes I'll go through Facebook and I'll send them up. My friend McKenna Blue actually taught me that. To go to Facebook, reach out to the brand on a private message, and almost always you'll get a response, which I find really interesting, unless it's a huge, massive brand that has millions of likes and they don't even have the direct message option, then clearly that's not going to work. But um, Facebook is a great way to connect. And I think that the majority of brands are on Facebook versus Instagram because that's where their they're, they're, uh, purchasing audience lies is on Facebook. Because think about it. Our parents are on Facebook. The people who want to spend money are on Facebook. So that's where the brands are. And I think that... Um, I. I just have, I, I just will open up the, my little messenger and I have a little copy and paste and I attach my media kit, my press kit on there. And I'm like, Hey, my name is Angela. I am a huge fan of your brand. I would love to be connected with somebody at your, at your, uh, company. Can you please direct me how to get in touch with the PR side? And nine times out of 10, I will get a response within the hour with a direct email on who to go to. So then I take that conversation into email, then send my media kit again to that person and then start the conversation rolling there. I've, I've seen that that help or actually, um, create conversations for me so many times. I think that that's a great way to start the ball rolling for you. And that's a really good tip because a lot of people wouldn't even think about that. So you, you've, you've found that engaging with brands on Facebook instead of Instagram in the beginning, you're actually getting, you're converting more in terms of a response rate. I have, however, it probably depends solely on the brand that you're reaching out to. For instance, if the brand is not using their Facebook page, then it's probably not the right place to connect with them. Then it's probably going to be Instagram or maybe the brand is a little bit old school and doesn't do Instagram and they're only on, I don't know, Twitter, then 
tweet them, reach out to them. It's just, it just focus on where the brand is most active. But I personally have found that Facebook is the best place to start. That's a great tip. Thank you for sharing that. Um, okay. So diving into all things YouTube, um, if you are new to the space and as you said, I mean, you really have to be the, the turtle uh, in the YouTube platform. Um, what are some kind of initial, very, very simple takeaways that you could give a listener today who either has just started a YouTube or wants to start a YouTube on some things that they could learn about or research or do to kind of help them start to get more comfortable in that platform? First of all is have a decent camera. I'm not saying that you need to go out and spend thousands of dollars, but also don't don't expect to create videos on your iPhone and think that that's going to get you a lot of traction unless you're doing viral videos of like funny stuff. That's totally not what we're talking about here. We're talking about, you know, makeup tutorials and things like that. But you want to if you're trying to get the attention of a brand, a brand wants to see beautifully created content. And I'm sure that you guys see this all the time on your, your own Instagrams that like, you'll take a mere selfie and you'll get so much more engagement on it than you will. your beautifully shot, you know, professionally taken photo. And that's because the, the typical audience wants to see the real you, but brands, that's not what they like. They like to see content that's beautifully curated and, and just well thought out and put together. So if you're wanting to get the attention of brands, if you're wanting to attract brand attention, then you want to create beautiful content. And in order to do that, you really do need to have a camera. And there's so many good cameras out there. I'm not the person to ask about that because my husband does all of that. We do link in every single video that we post. He tells me which video, which camera we shot on so that you can see that. But I find that that's really, really important. And Julie, I'm sure you've found the same thing. Um, another thing that you want to do is pay attention to what's trending on YouTube. This is one situation that's different than what I would say about Instagram because YouTube YouTube, think about when you get on YouTube and you look for something, a lot of times you're going to either have something very specific in mind. Like I want to look up a brown smoky eye. Okay, great. But then other times you're going to want to do whatever is actually trending right now. Like husband does my makeup. So you have to kind of pay attention to what is it that's really working right now on YouTube. Pay attention to what your peers are doing. I'm not saying copy them exactly. That's not what I'm saying at all, but you want to do things that make sense like tags, like the fall tag or you know, the best friend tag or whatever it is that, that is popular right now, because that's what people are actually online actively searching. Pay attention to Google trends. That's another really great way to do it. Um, I have found that when I create, you know, Matt and I will sit down and we'll film a makeup tutorial and we'll be like, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. The, the way that the light was set up and everything, it's a really beautiful video. And then we'll post it and we won't get any like hard, not no views, but we'll get way less engagement on it than we would say if I did a very trendy video right now, like a tag and it's learning about tent polling. It's learning about how to, how to create content, when to create content and when to post it. So really pay attention to those things when you're diving in and creating a YouTube channel and new videos. And if somebody out there doesn't know what the term or phrase tent polling is, can you explain that a yeah. little bit? Yeah. So tent polling is, um, planning according to what is coming up. So for instance, what do we have coming up? Fourth of July. So fourth of July, you are, if I posted a fourth of July video this week, 
chances are that not many people are going to be very interested in watching it right now, right? However, that 4th of July video, the week of the 4th of July, is going to be much more watched and sought after if I tagged it appropriately, titled it appropriately, and everything like that. But best of all, if I created a 4th of July video, tagged it, titled it, everything appropriately, then what really is going to do me the most benefit is saving it to that like probably 72-hour window before the 4th of July when people are really searching it out. So for instance, like 4th of July outfit, what to wear, 4th of July makeup, 4th of July inspired um, meals, whatever it is. But like people are really going to be searching that. And so that's called tent polling is when you're really targeting a specific time when people are really searching it. And actually Google Trends is the best way to figure that out is to go back and look at um, for instance, again, 4th of July, let's say we'll look at 4th of July YouTube on Google trends and we'll go back to 2016. It will show us exactly when those videos hit their peak. And that's when you want to aim to shoot, to shoot for, um, posting them this year then. So it really is a lot of research strategy when it comes to YouTube. It really is. Honestly, that's this whole, this whole job is just a lot of strategy. Yes. And a lot of testing, because I think you do have to test out yeah. what works for you versus what don't. But that's what I, I kind of, in a, in a way, love YouTube for that, because it at least makes me be able to understand it a little bit better. Because it's like, okay, so I need to to research Google Trends and figure out maybe what, what's trending on Google, because obviously YouTube is a search engine optimizer. It's an SEO, just yep. as Google is. So whatever mm-hmm. is trending on Google is probably also going to be trending on YouTube, I would think. So if I go there, I can figure this out. And then if I do certain keywords, I can figure this out. So with that, I feel like it's a little bit more understandable. Whereas like Instagram is so like, oh my gosh, what's going on today? Everything's changed again. Um, But that's why I think, you know, I know that you have said this, that you really do think YouTube is one of the most effective social media platforms because of the opportunities that you have with brands. So I would love if you could Mm -hmm. share, you know, a little bit more into that. Um, What kind of opportunities have you been able to do or or, or to garner um, from YouTube? How has that helped you grow your business? And, you know, where do you kind of see YouTube going um, in terms of growing the influencer space and growing businesses for influencers? YouTube seems to me to be the most influencer-friendly platform. And I say that because if you have an account on YouTube, think about when you go in and you look at your subscriptions, you get to see every video from everybody you subscribe to in time order. They don't hide it. Whereas Facebook and Instagram, like they make it so difficult for your stuff to be seen. They want you to pay in order to be seen. YouTube does not do that, which I find to be so much more helpful as an influencer. I, I also find that you should use that to your benefit as a creator because YouTube, when you, when you subscribe to everybody and click on your subscriptions, you can see what all of your peers are posting. So that gives you a really, really great way to measure what it is that people are wanting to watch right now, because those people are doing their research too. They're also watching what other people are doing. And that's really what this is. It's all, it's all a game of trying to figure out what's popular. I feel like YouTube has really helped me expand my business because it is a way to connect with my audience. Unlike any other way, any, any other platform, I should say. I can sit there and I can write a blog post and I can say exactly my experience with the product and yada, 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 but they can't, my audience can't see my facial expressions. They can't hear my tone. They can't hear the excitement in my voice. They can't, they can't experience with me how it is that I am feeling and responding to the product. Facebook allow or um, YouTube allows you to really show your emotions, show how you feel. And brands love that brands love that you can be 
authentic in your reactions. And the one thing I do want to say about every brand deal that comes along, just because it comes along, don't say yes. Like that is just so important. I have a personal uh, rule for myself that I will not accept an opportunity unless I have adequate time to test a product first, because I never want to promote a product that I don't personally love and believe in. And that is, I, I stand that true no matter what price tag comes at me. Like I just will not, unless I get to test that product first. And that's just how it is. And I, and I think that that's important because especially in YouTube, if I create a video and I'm talking about a product and I don't truly love it, I'm not a good enough actress to play that off. I'm just not. Mm -hmm. So I need to be able to show that I really do love it. And so that's why I think YouTube is, it is so profitable for influencers is because it allows us to open up and show our personalities, show a little bit of our heart or however much we want to actually allow out there. Um, and just create content that isn't really available in any other platform. I mean, you can do Insta videos and everything like that, obviously, but YouTube is just much more polished and much more entertaining in my opinion. And I like that you just talked about Insta videos because I want to kind of shift gears a little bit to talk about trends. And I would love to know from you, what is a trend that you see coming or that may have just kind of come about this year that you think is really going to kind of change the game, the influencer game for the better? Well, I'm a huge Snapchat fan. I love it. But I got to say, like, Insta stories is just better. It really is. Did you see what they came out with today? I know the new filters, Mm -hmm. like they're just really stepping up their game. And I rarely even open up Snapchat anymore. And I used to live on that. I just loved it. I really, really did. So I feel like I'm cheating on my boyfriend right here. But the problem is, is that Instagram just puts it all in one app. And that's so much easier because there were certain people that I would follow on, on Snapchat that I would only want to see on Snapchat and then they, they did that whole feature where they would run into the next one. And I got really annoyed with that. Of course, they don't do that anymore. But I personally feel like Insta Stories is just, I don't know. I just, I like it. I like that it's longer than Snapchat. I don't like that it rolls into the next video, unfortunately, but it is what it is. But I just feel like that's the platform. And I actually just recently got a brand deal that Insta Stories was actually included in that brand deal. And I was shocked to see that because that means that that's where brands are kind of starting to see the shift and movement towards as well. Yep. I've been seeing that as well. I actually had a client of mine get an offer from Chiquita Bananas and one they one of the requirements was an Insta story post. And so a, a tip that I've been telling people and to all the listeners out there, start paying attention to your average amount of opens that you get on Insta stories, because that needs to be a number that you can also equate into your, you know, your media kit and things like that. And, and it will really kind of help you negotiate your brand deals a little bit better. It's important to know that. Yeah, definitely. I I do want to say though, also be, be very mindful of your Insta stories. Don't only use them when you get a brand deal, like Mm -hmm. make sure that you're creating content on there and connecting with your followers before you start just randomly throwing up some brand deals on there. Um, I, but I feel that way about every platform. Like if you're in this business just to make money, unfortunately, I don't feel like you're going to grow. You have to be in it to actually create a space that you get to talk about and do the thing that you love. That is what is so important. So, you know, make sure that you're creating just really organic content as well. And then of course, work in the paid content and in there in between, but just make sure you're also staying organic to your own tastes and love to do as well. Yeah. And so before we 
wrap this up because I loved what you just said when you were talking about, you know, make sure that you pepper, you know, kind of the the balance between the paid content and the organic um, content. I would love to know really what makes you feel like you're really making an impact as an influencer when, you know, a lot of times the content that you create is branded content because of course you are a business. You do have Uh to make money and put food on the table. How do you make sure to make that, you know, like what you said with peppering things in, how do you really make sure to stay organic and authentic through that? I know you talked about making sure to always align with brands that you truly love. Um, but you know, what really makes you feel like you're making an impact when you are able to do organic and sponsored posts? Well, the one thing that I have found is that when I take a sponsored opportunity, I want to, I want to take that and create something really fun with it. Um, for instance, I did a campaign recently with massage envy and in that blog post, I actually got to talk about ways to take care of yourself. So it's not focused entirely on just massage envy. It's talking about ways that you can go and actually take really good care of yourself and, and improve your, your actual life. That is when I find sponsored opportunities to be the most effective is that they're it's a brand that you truly believe in. It's a brand that you personally use and love, but you can work it into content that people can relate to. And you find, and I feel like you find out when you're doing it right, when people comment on those, on those posts or those videos or whatever, and they, and they'll say something like that makes you know that they never even, they don't care that it's sponsored. They just loved what you created. That's when you can feel good about what you're doing. I feel like when it comes to sponsored work. And when do you think that it's okay for someone to align with a brand or to work quote unquote for free? Do you feel that there's an exception to that rule? Do you feel that it kind of depends on where the blogger or influencer is and their career? Um, you know, cause that's, that's a huge question that I get. So, you know, yeah. and how, how really does that, does that affect the marketplace as well? Because we never want to undervalue ourselves as right. influencers. So, you know, is there kind of like a, a, a happy medium for you there? There is definitely a happy medium. I mean, look, if you're just getting started and you have 50 followers, there's a good chance you're not going to get a sponsored deal right now, but there's a good chance that you might be able to reach out and get something gifted possibly. And then you post about it for free. Okay, great. But no matter where you're at, make sure it's something that you like, you actually want to post about, you actually want to talk about it. No matter if you're like this new blogger and you're super excited because this brand sent you something, but you hate it and you would never wear it, then don't. Then say thanks, but no thanks. I think that there is a happy medium. I still have brands send me product all the time for free. But my response is when they reach out to me asking me for my address, it's always, thank you so much for wanting to send me product. You know, here's my address, but just a heads up, I don't guarantee a post or review in exchange for product. But then I, you know, there are products that I will do Facebook live openings in my PO box and, and stuff like that. And I have never guaranteed a, any type of post for these brands, but it is super organic because it, it was sent to me and it's me organically opening what came in the mail. So it really just depends on where you're at and, and what feels right to you, but don't sell out. Don't especially don't sell out for somebody who's just going to send you free product when it's something that you don't even like. And I love what you said about the response that you send them, because I think that that's so important to not only, you know, just really be completely transparent with the brand and candid on the front end, but to also hold both parties accountable because that way, if they still choose to send you something that's gifted and you choose not to post about it, they can't really get upset at that point because you told them that you don't guarantee anything unless it's a sponsored collaboration that both 
people agreed upon. So that's a great takeaway. Yeah, no, I've actually sent product back to brands who I let know on the forefront. And I'm, I know Julie, you and I've talked about this before, but I've let them know in the beginning that, Hey, you can send me what you want, but I can't guarantee I'm going to post it. But then they hound me and they hound me and they hound me. And I, and I just will email them back and say, you know what? Can I have your address? I'm going to send this back to you because it's just not worth it to me. It's mm-hmm. not worth it to me for you guys, for a brand to just keep pushing me to post about something when I didn't even tell you in the first place that I would. So and that, and that kind of is a, a washing of hands moment. And I know that I'm not going to work with that brand again. And I'm okay with that because I don't want to work with somebody who tries to force themselves or their product down my throat. Yeah. And that's, that's a fantastic takeaway. Um, so a couple more questions before we wrap this up, I would love to know from you, because I'm sure that there's a lot of bloggers out there that, you know, when they think of an influencer that really hits the mark for them, they think of Angela Lanter. So I would love to know what influencer out there really influences you, you know, to work harder, to, to, to grow your business. Is there a blogger, a YouTuber, an influencer out there that's like really hitting the mark for you and really inspires and aspires you? I mean, I have so many people that I look up to in our world or our realm, I guess. And it's, and it feels like such a new thing. Like, it just feels like we just have no idea what to really expect of this because it's so new. If I have to think about it in the YouTube realm, I love Jaclyn Hill. I think she's incredible. I think that she just has always stayed true to, to her own personal style and she's an incredible makeup artist. And then she's gotten to work in with different brands and create products. So I just really look up to her. I also love my girlfriend, um, Suzanne a lot. I think that she does incredible work. Um, she does a lot of, um, really, really great videos and she does exactly what I do. She's a blogger and a YouTuber. And I feel like she and I are kind of among the rarer because usually people are either YouTube or their blogs. Um, but she and I do both. And so I, I really look up to her. I think that she's an incredible businesswoman and I really admire her. And then looking onward to the next year, I know that we talked about Insta stories, but in terms of the industry as a whole, is there any kind of trends that you see that's going to be making waves, not really kind of on the platform side of things, but really just on the industry side of things that, you know, if you were like, man, if I was an influencer coming into this space today, this is what I would focus on 200% knowing what I know now. I mean, if I had kids, I would focus on (laughs) being a family friendly blogger for sure. I think that that is the market to be in. I think that it is, you are like a triple threat when you are a mom and you also have to prepare meals and you have to figure out this whole parenting thing and you have to figure out everything. I just think that that is like, I don't know. I just think that's such the place to be. I think that that's the most profitable area because you are open to work with so many different brands because guess what? You can wear clothes, you can wear makeup, but you have something that all of these other bloggers don't have and that's kids. And that's just such an opportunity there in my opinion. And I always wrap up every interview with this one question. And I love, uh, I love when people answer it because all the answers are always so different. So I would love to know what does influence mean to you? Oh, influence means to me, you know, honestly, when I think of influence, I think of the, the, effect that I get to have on my gorgeous girls. It is when I create, you know, a new girl talk Tuesday post, and it's something that they totally relate with. And I get to go in and I read the comments and they say, you know 
what this post meant to me. It just completely was exactly what I needed to hear. It was the encouragement that I needed. It's being able to touch people's lives. It's being able to encourage somebody. It's being able to help somebody in a way, whether it's them shooting me an email and asking me what color eyeshadow they should be wearing to prom, whatever it is. And to me, it's, it's being able to touch the hearts and souls of, of my followers and being able to make a difference in their lives. However, a tiny little bit of difference that might be, it might be just like I said, an opinion on their makeup, but it's just being able to have that connection with people that I probably will never even get to meet face to face, but I feel like I get to know on a friendship basis because of Hello Gorgeous and the platform that we've created. Ah, great answer. Okay. Um, so Angela, where can everyone find you online? Where can they sign up for Girl Talk Tuesdays if they want to do that? How can people start to, um, stalk you? (laughs) (laughs) My blog is AngelaLanter.com and there is subscribe at the top of my page for, to sign up for my newsletter. Also on YouTube, I'm just youtube.com slash Angela Lanter and I'm Angela Lanter everywhere. YouTube or, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, everything. Just Angela Lanter. Awesome. Well, if you are listening today and have been thinking about starting a YouTube, starting a blog, you know, really wanting to learn how to grow your empire in that way, I would love for you guys to go ahead and check out the show notes of this episode where I lay out some of the most important takeaways that Angela drove home for us today on all of that good stuff. You can find those show notes at www.theinfluencerpodcast.com. And Angela, thank you so much again. You are always such a wealth of knowledge and have really just done such an amazing job of truly connecting with your audience. And that just shines through everything that you do. So I thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your gorgeousness with us today. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. Are you ready to create your own industry-leading influence? For show notes, downloads, and action-based tips, head to www.theinfluencerpodcast.com where you can find out more about this week's episode, guest, and our host, Julie Solomon. If you enjoyed this week's episode, please take a minute to go to iTunes and leave a review so we can help other influencers like yourself build their own successful business.